0: I see you shiver with anticipation.
1: Ain't like it used to be, but uh, it'll do. Make it three yards, motherfucker, and we'll have an automobile race. i leave you. I'll leave you, baby. I'll leave you. Now leave me alone
2: i with Charles Plumpeg on a telegraphy specialist communications
3: platoon headquarters company reporting, sir.
1: Splendid, a Plumpeg, picture Nicole, splendid. episode number 48 of the cult movies podcast i'm your host anthony king it's all about author critic and historian danny perry and his cult movies books around here we're going to discuss a movie from the first book and then offer up some pairing recommendations and joining me from movies for life back again for round number two it's michelle egan (laughs) and brian kuyper how are you guys
2: doing good doing good glad to be back
1: (laughs) i am i am excited uh so Let's see. We talked about what the hell we talked about last time.
2: The killing. The killing.
1: The killing. Okay. <laughs> and this time, Brian, I'm going to have you introduce the film here in just a second, but I'm I, you know, I always think of you two in the past as like strictly horror people. <laughs> um for I mean, obviously, Brian, uh but I I don't know, like I don't, I don't know. We I probably just came to know everybody <laughs> through you know, um, the horror community on Twitter. Bleh. Um, <laughs> so it, I, I, know. I, enjoy, yeah. Yeah, I know. You know, we're on the same you. page. Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, what you guys are doing, uh, on your show movies for life. And then the two films that we've, we're going to, uh, have talked about. It's just, I, I don't know. It, I love being able to, uh, explore the, the breadth of our, you know, film love uh, on oh, this show. Yeah. So I really appreciate you guys coming on again. I had a blast last time talking about Kubrick and The Killing. So uh, we're kind of go-
3: why we picked this one because we did uh, something totally different last time. That's what we wanted to do. Yeah, I love uh, it. Well, the second and, time we came on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next time you guys come on, uh, we'll see what happens there. It's uh, it, that's the good thing about having three of these books. You know, of course, we're just in the first book right now, but. You know, there's lots of different ways you could go with these movies. So anyways, let's get right into it. Brian, why don't you go and introduce what we are talking about this week?
2: All right. So from 1959, we are talking about Howard Hawks' Rio Bravo, uh, starring John Wayne, Dean Martin, looking who is hot i so. I gotta throw that in what <laughs> because why did because, you say
3: it before me <laughs> Yeah, I, it's like i should have let michelle say it first
1: <laughs> he
2: is um,
0: super sexy is in this movie super hot yeah. oh my god but yeah uh ricky also Nelson. hot yeah in the movie is... angie dickinson there also hot. Also, yeah. hot also hot <laughs> 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 oh
2: <hot. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> <Hell> yeah <laughs> walter brennan also hot no uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <all>, no maybe <laughs> Wait, not. not okay uh <laughs> but then we've got you know ward bond and whole bunches of other people in this. Um, Seems like, you know, uh, one of those casts of people that always is in uh, westerns of this period, you know. I always see Ward Bond. I always see Walter Brennan. I always see Harry Carey Jr. I always see all these uh, Mm -hmm. different guys showing up in all these movies. So, of course, John Wayne. But um, it's just, uh, yeah. So, Rio Bravo. Uh,
1: What is it? Was there... One of you that was like, you know, because I, you know, when I invite multiple people on for a single show, I just kind of turn it over to you, and then you come back uh later after having discussed amongst yourselves. Was there one of you that was like, "I really want to do Rio Bravo," and like, like made kind of made the final decision there?
2: Michelle suggested yeah. it. She she sent me. I the think list. I brought it up first. Yeah, and she sent me a little list, and I and I was like, okay. Because I said, you guys know which one I want to talk. I want to talk about 2001. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no. Because I love that movie. But we just talked about Kubrick last time for one thing. So that that was like, eh. But, and we also talked about a noir. So some of them that she suggested yeah. were noir. And it was like, maybe let's do something as different as think, possible. Yeah, yeah, I think so I that's why just, we chose, like Maltese Falcon. Yeah, um, Maltese Falcon and then this Falcon one and, Detour, and you were I like, think.
3: yeah. And you were like, why don't we do Rio Bravo? I was like. That's perfect. That's yeah, because we did a noir last time. I w- and I would really like to talk about a western. We haven't gotten to talk about a western yet on the show, really.
1: Well, you, you, uh, you, for the killing. One of your pairing recommendations, Michelle, was uh, Tara in a Texas town. Yeah, how did with, you like it? I, I liked it. Uh, <laughs> you know, my my feelings still have not changed. I still ask the same question: Is Sterling Hayden a good actor? Uh, I like him, my feelings have not changed at all I still like him, but I don't know if he's a good actor But the one thing I said to you on Twitter is that I wanted more harpoon killing Because that thing is like fucking massive and huge And it was, you know, I was like Is this guy going to do like duels? Like multiple duels with a freaking harpoon? (laughs) But no, I I, I liked it, no it was good
3: I just said a harpoon was in the movie I didn't say
1: it was (laughs) used a (laughs) lot No, it it was really good, I liked it (laughs) <laughs> um so are you guys um well for, I should ask first watch for anyone for real bravo or had we all seen it before
3: I'd seen it once before Okay
2: yeah I'd seen it before um but it had been a long time I had almost forgotten what it was like I I I we were talking a little Michelle and I talked a little bit um before the show uh before we started recording here and we're like it's kinda of really different than I remember it to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh interesting. Yeah. So um but yeah, I have kind of an interest I have a strange history with this movie. Because well, the first time I saw it, I didn't like it, you know. Oh but, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um
1: Well well hold on. Before we go any further, oh, well, yeah, okay. Let, let me read a little thing from Danny and then yeah, yeah. I want I wanna get yeah. into our histories with the film and then uh Westerns. I love talking to people about westerns because uh you know uh, a lot of people assume oh what you know black and white westerns of course isn't black and white but like westerns are for you know old grumpy men who live in the south or the midwest uh but hell no they're fucking awesome anyways let me read this little thing me too (laughs) i'm with you uh danny says he he calls it a slam bang exciting truly funny western rio bravo is quintessential hawks it is unabashedly commercial yet personal which is why hawks is revered by today's money hungry young philistine directors 1981 mind you it is about a group of heroic men of action who work together for a common moral purpose Expresses a masculine code of conduct based on courage, loyalty, perseverance, and expertise. Has a female lead that impresses the male lead by having what he believes are masculine traits. Independence, loyalty, inner fortitude, guts, he says in Fanatic. Uh, And at the same time, excites him with her femininity. Uh, How could she not? She's Angie Dickinson and she's (laughs) hot as hell. Uh, The movie also contains action, humor, and large doses of dialogue, is filmed with a functional, unobtrusive camera, typically set at waist or eye level, and ends happily, which, especially during Hawks' later genial years, is very characteristic of his films. And uh, this is all true, I think, in my mind. So the first time I watched this uh, was maybe... Last year, or two years ago, just so fairly recently, uh, four stars on Letterboxd. That's good. Uh, but when so I got the Blu-ray and I watched it again the other night, and I was like, "What am I, an asshole? Four stars? Get out of here! This is a five-star movie. I think it's a perfect <laughs> movie. It's two hours and twenty minutes, uh, which you know, any more runtime is is a big deal to mm-hmm. me, to many people, right? Yeah. Because uh, well. who the who has time? to carve that out a lot of times right because whatever uh but it it cooks to me it i mean it just it cooks through the movie there's no uh, even though there's there's those large sequences the the opening sequence no dialogue is you know it's silent uh it's still moving it continually moves and that's what i love about this movie it's perfect uh let me turn it over to michelle and ask you about your history with rio bravo
3: um, kind of the same thing. I only just saw it for the first time a couple of years ago because I knew that it was one of Brian Sauer's favorite movies. Um and he like influences a lot of my movie watching. Yeah. <laughs> he and Ella Kane from uh Pure Cinema. So I just found it at um found the Blu-ray at Best Buy one day for like five bucks and decided I was gonna check it out because I love Westerns. Um, And this was a big one that I hadn't seen yet. And yeah, I loved it. But it was a, a lot different <laughs> the second time than I remembered it being. Yeah. Still
1: loved it, though. Oh, yeah. Still love it. For sure. What about you, Brian? What's your uh, relationship with Rio Bravo?
2: Okay, so I didn't really grow up with Westerns. Um, I, As I recall, the only Westerns I remember seeing as a kid were uh, Tombstone, Unforgiven, and Young Guns. And I didn't like any of them when <laughs> I was a kid. You're like Tombstone. Which which is, now I, I'm like, I like all of those now. Jeez. And, uh, though I haven't seen Young Guns in a really long time. So I I, I couldn't tell you if I like that movie or not. But the other two, <laughs> definitely. I mean, Unforgiven is a masterpiece yeah, of for course. crying out loud. But yeah. um, but um, so I Westerns didn't connect with me for a long time. I just didn't get them. So in college, I started going through the AFI top 100 lists that they had created and um so uh the stagecoach i'm sorry the (laughs) stagecoach and the searchers are both on there yeah and i got this set that had those two movies in it plus it had rio bravo and the cowboys
1: oh cool i I still haven't seen the cowboys which i really want to
2: i actually of at the time that one actually ended up being my favorite was the cowboys yeah um but um because it was just sort of like accessible. It was something that I could connect with really easily. Sure. Uh, whereas the, the others are a little bit more challenging. Actually, I, sorry to say, the first time I saw Rio Bravo, I was like, I just don't get this. I actually thought, I was uh, I was in my 20s, okay. <laughs> my misspent youth. Um, That's I, I thought gonna, it was.
3: Is that when you were a snob, a film snob? Yeah, I thought it was boring.
2: <laughs> I just did not get oh. it. Yeah. And I know, I know, I know. I'd but probably feel the same
1: when I was at yeah, age two, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and so, I mean, I, I was, I was uh, you know, I was, as Michelle eloquently put, a snob. I was a movie snob. A snob. And I was like, they're singing in the jail together <laughs> and john wayne's got the most awkward smile in the world during this scene you I, told I me just, about
3: that before i watched uh, it again and i i, that's how I totally saw it
0: it's yeah hilarious.
2: it's like i it's like i just don't get this and then okay so it had been a while i watched it again after reading um roger ebert did a great movies on it and i was like oh okay so i watched it again and i i liked it a lot um but then i i had kind of forgotten it i gotta admit so I watched it, uh, uh, yesterday, Monday here. So, and I was like, okay, I like it, but I don't know if I love it. And, and so I was like, I don't know if I get it. Do I not get it? Are are they going to like take away my cinephile card? (laughs) Is Quentin Tarantino going to yell at me? Um, you know, (laughs) Because have you heard the whole thing about Quentin Tarantino? Yeah, you know if if you you're gonna take a girl home, you're gonna show her real bravo, bravo, and she better fucking like it. I'm like Quentin Tarantino's gonna yell at me. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, but anyway, but then what I did was this. Okay, I watched uh, the there's a comm- there's a commemoration thing on the Blu-ray. Yeah, and it's got uh, Walter Hill and John Carpenter and. Peter Bogdanovich rest in peace you know talking about it on there and talking about Howard Hawks and talking about um how Hawks approached this like three episodes of a television show kind of stuck together into a single film and and watching it in that way I was like oh I get it because basically it's like the beginning to about the part where uh, dude shoots the guy in the saloon is like the first episode. Then, you know, after that, there's the middle episode about to where, you know, dude quits and decides not to. Yeah. And then from the singing scene to the end. Are, so it's like because ba- they all have sort of this this um this build to a climax. Yeah. In each one of those sections, it was like with a little sort of you know, denouement to get you ready for the next episode going on. And I was like, I, it was like, I love this. This is fantastic. And I, I, I was like, I, when I sort of figured out what worked for me while I was watching this, it was like, I, okay, I get it. I get it. This is a lot of fun. I really understand what they're doing here. And so That kind of was the key for me to, and I ended up giving it five stars after that second viewing. I mean, it was literally—I stopped it, uh, watched that commemoration, I started it again, (laughs) and it was like, oh, "Oh, okay, you know, Quentin Tarantino's not going to yell at me. Um, (laughs) Everything's fine with the world.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, there's. uh, Well, let's talk about our our histories with. (laughs) with westerns michelle did you grow up watching westerns or did you come into them later in life
3: there was probably a few that i remember i remember my sister and i being big fans of like the quick and the dead yeah (laughs) those kinds but i didn't really catch up with any of like the the classic ones until much later when i realized that i actually really did like westerns because it's a little bit of an acquired taste sometimes for people but um and most of the ones I've seen, I I honestly have only seen, like, really the the big name stuff. Uh, I haven't really gotten into, uh, you know, all the... There's, like, a shit ton from, like, all different de- decades. So right. I don't have time for that. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I just... I've always... I, I like the... Just... I almost kind of want to live in a Western sometimes because it seems pretty cool. Like, you're riding horses. Maybe not as a woman, but maybe as, like, a gunfighter. <laughs> and um, there's just an appeal that um, they have they're really simplistic stories and uh, a lot of them are about revenge which is a big thing for me so that's what I usually like um, gravitate towards but um, yeah, I don't really know what else
1: to say they're just cool and I like them (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, Brian did you watch westerns when you were a kid
2: not really besides the ones that I mentioned there but but then um, I got to admit what really cracked the code for me on Westerns was actually um, not even the, you know, the like the searchers and, and stagecoach though. I I didn't love the searchers the first time I saw it. I, I, I do think it's uh, an important movie and I understand why people are attracted to it, but the stagecoach I liked a lot. Yeah. But um the one that really cracked it for me was the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah. When I when I saw that for the first time, I was like, oh, okay, this is something. And, and so I, I watched the Leone ones. And that, I think mine
3: was Once Upon a Time in the West.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in the West was, so I think I watched the whole Man with No Name. Uh, Trilogy, quote unquote. yeah. Yeah, it's not really, he has a name in all three of the movies, but, you know, hey.
0: <laughs>
1: They lied to us.
2: They lied to us. I know. Um, but What's you everybody's know, those...
3: favorite out of those three,
1: though? Uh, good, the the bad, the ugly.
3: I was like for a few dollars more. Yeah, I think <laughs> mine was... The second one. Uh,
2: yeah, I think yeah. for a few dollars more is now my favorite. Um Though at first, for a long time, it was like, yeah, the good, the bad, and the ugly, definitely. But, well, of course,
3: because it's like an amazing movie, but
2: (laughs) yeah, Yeah. I like all three (laughs) of them. But, but you know, and then, then it was like the Anthony Mann westerns, uh, with James Stewart really connected with me. And, um, then, you know, the Bud Bedecker ones, um, recently I've sort of uh, been able to get connected with those are really like those a lot too. So um, I think there's a certain type of Western that I really like. The ones that are a little bit more, yeah. uh, have a little bit of an edge and a little bit of a darkness to them yeah. are the ones that I like the most. But, you know, as far as like John Wayne, I think the key for me getting to like John Wayne movies was the Cowboys. Yeah. And, you know, which is a movie that I think is just a lot of fun and it's got Bruce Dern in it, you know, and it's and it's got um it's got John Wayne actually giving a real performance. Yeah. You know, he's not particularly known for uh giving an actor's performance. He's usually giving a John Wayne John performance, Wayne. you know, he's he's performing his persona, right? Um but you know, I think when you see him in a movie that's really exceptional like this or like uh, Red River, another Howard Hawks one, um, you see Hawks really had a touch with him, was able yeah. to get him to do some things that maybe even John Ford, who was so well known for working with him, didn't really take time to tap into with him, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting uh John Wayne was my intro into the American Western. Yeah. uh, You know, when when I was a kid, uh, you know, Rawhide was... My mom was a stay-at-home mom, and so the TV was always on. We weren't watching TV, but it was just always on, you know? And, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, even, you know, back in the 80s, uh, Rawhide reruns were, like, constantly playing, right? Rawhide, uh, um, uh, The Rifleman, uh, but... uh, You know, I'd sit down and try to watch them when I was a kid and they were still boring. I remember every Friday night growing up, we'd go to my grandma Joe's house and there'd be a double feature. One of the, you know, uh, us kids would always be able to stay awake for the first one. And the second one, uh, you know, it'd be late and we'd fall asleep. And I remember the one time one of the second movies was Mm Unforgiven. And I remember laying on my grandma's bed and you could watch, you could see the TV in the living room like barely through the doorway. And uh I just remember thinking, oh God, what a boring movie. And of course, when, when I watched it, you know, for the first time like three years ago, I'm like, no, it's not boring at all. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah you know? that's
2: right. Yeah. But I mean, you know, to
1: a to a kid, to a ten year old, sure. Uh-huh. Whatever. Yeah. It could be boring. Uh so I, you know, I always assumed Westerns were boring. And uh when I was, you know, maybe how old was I? 20, I think I was just starting to kind of explore movies. I've told the story a bunch how my mom, you know, I was like, I think I like weird movies. And, and you know, she she said, oh, you 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 like weird movies. Well, let me take you to the video store. Where I'm going to get you a weird movie. And she rented we rented uh, Blue Velvet and she's <laughs> she's she's not a Blue Velvet fan, but she just remembered watching it thinking this is fucking weird. And I watched it then, and I was like, yeah, you're right, but this is, like, brilliant. So I always kind of turned to her, like, okay, I'm ready to start watching whatever, older movies, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, noirs, mysteries, westerns. And she said, okay, Uh, she went out and bought me uh, this. This isn't a video podcast, but I don't know if you guys can see. Uh, Mm -hmm. Not in the forest. Mm -hmm. The forest is blocking it. There we go. Uh it's like a Clint Eastwood box set. So with the three yeah. Leone movies and Ted Posts Hang 'em High. Oh yeah. And so I went through those. did yet. And I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, westerns are fucking cool and gritty."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And of course these are spaghetti mm-hmm. westerns. These are the Italian made westerns. Uh and, and so I started getting into those. I watched more Leone. I watched uh, you know, I think I I stumbled upon Duck You Sucker. Mm-hmm. Uh um but anyway, so A Fistful of Dynamite is the A.K.A. for a duck, you sucker. Uh, so fast forward a few years later. My first American Western was Stagecoach with John okay. Wayne, and it wasn't my first John Wayne. My first John Wayne was um, one of his war movies, Green Berets. Um with my, that was one of my dad's favorite movies. I'd I'd watch war movies with him. You know, Dirty Dozen was his favorite, so we watched that all the time. Watched the Green Beret, um, and I might have seen. I probably saw uh Hell. Was it Hell Fighters, where he's the forest firefighter?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I can't remember for sure. I think you. I, I think that it. yeah. that
1: that just recently came out on Blu-ray. Anyways, so. Stagecoach wasn't my first John Wayne, but it was my first John Wayne Western. You know, he's typically known for his Western work, but I hadn't seen a John Wayne Western. Yeah, that wasn't my first. It wasn't until years later that I saw a John Wayne Western, Stagecoach, and I loved it. And so yeah. that's when I started deep diving into the American Western. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I don't know if I prefer American Western over like a spaghetti Western. Um, I like all Westerns because like Australia makes some great Westerns. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, countries all over Europe, of course, uh, South American Westerns, Mexican. I mean, everybody like kind of takes the template, either the spaghetti Western from Italy or the template of the American Western. And then that's what they base it around. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I like about Australian Westerns is that it's their own thing because it's, it's such a world apart, it feels like. Um, and, and Australia of course looks so different, not necessarily at the Outback, but like, you know, Australia just outside of Melbourne uh, mm-hmm. looks g- completely unique to anywhere else in the world. And so you have movies like the man from snowy river yeah, um, or uh, you know, uh, some newer ones. I take
2: it back, that's the first western I ever saw. I'm with I, I'm
1: with you. I think I, I think I'm yeah, we watched that all the time growing up.
2: Yeah, we saw it in the theater, you know, as what nineteen eighty two, right? Eighty two it came yeah, out, yeah. I, I would have been four years old. So uh but yeah, that's gotta be the first western
3: yeah, I ever saw.
1: I think I'm yeah. with you. An Australian yeah. Western, you know. But like yeah. there's you know, the proposition is a great mm-hmm. modern western with Guy Pierce. So that's good. the
3: one I was thinking. Of. Yeah, I was trying yeah. to think of one of the guy pierce that i had, i started watching that but i didn't finish it I oh finish it's that one. yeah
1: it's so good um but anyway so uh let's talk about john wayne for a second i want to read <laughs> just a little bit about what danny wrote in cult movie stars i have a couple stanzas if you will um danny says an Stances. actor of mythic proportions symbolizing american spirit grit and conservative values of course he was the preeminent figure of the Western and also dominated war films, two-fisted action pictures, and even a few comedies in his 50-year movie career. The 6'4", former Marion Michael Morrison, discovered while playing football at USC, played brave, formidable men who can handle themselves in gunfights, fistfights, or battles. Uh, he goes on, Wayne was a fine, uh, was a fine much underrated actor, and his characters varied more than critics contended. He could be funny, boisterous, clownish, quiet and innocent. He was heroic, but he could be mean and pigeon-headed, or pig-headed, even wrong-headed. Some of his characters are extremely complex. Some even die. But, like Wayne, when he died, they continue to exist in our mythology. And I, he's exactly right. Um, you know, I think John Wayne a lot of times played John Wayne, mm-hmm. but he could do so much more. You know, I'm thinking of uh, the, the cop movie Brannigan from the seventies sure. where, where he plays the detective that, that goes over to England to try to export, you know, a, a criminal. And that's fucking awesome. That's not like, I mean, it's still John Wayne, obviously, but that's not like the John Wayne that we know of the, you know, Rio Bravo trilogy, for instance. So anyways, uh your thoughts on John Wayne?
2: You know, I I always like seeing him on screen. I think he's fun to watch. I think he's I like even when he is just playing, you know. I cuz I remember, okay, so one of the earlier westerns I saw was um The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance in class. It was it was um an English class or drama class because we were going to do like a a character analysis thing. Sure. So she showed us the man who shot Liberty Valance. And it's like, and just all of us for, you know, seventh graders or eighth graders, I think going around saying, well, they're a pilgrim, you know, (laughs) uh, it was just sort of one of those things where, where it just, it, it, it's, it's such an overused word, but it is iconic. Yeah. You know, I mean, just the way that he I, he was a such a towering figure. I mean, like you say, six four, but but also, I would have loved to see his movies on a big screen, because I've only ever seen them on television. You know, even my big TV, it's nothing compared to seeing it on a right. you know a full screen. You know, and just seeing that stars like that literally tower on screen like that. Uh, but he was—he's just one of those that has uh, that presence on screen, you know, um, that is so strong yeah. and uh, kind of exudes from the screen. Sure. Um, even in a movie like this, I mean, there are parts of this where I think he's playing a little bit of a, a goofball <laughs> on yeah. occasion, well, for you know? sure. And and I and I, but it's still it it's there's power coming from him, you yeah. know, while he's doing those things. It's, it's, uh, it's quite a presence and a confidence that that's, you know, you say, you know, who's a movie star that you see that that's a movie star. Oh yeah. You know, see John yeah.
1: Wayne, that's a movie star. Uh, Michelle, what are your thoughts on John Wayne?
3: I honestly haven't really seen a whole lot of his movies. Um, and this um, like acting style that he has in Rio Bravo is kind of what I know of him as the most and I don't particularly care for it <laughs> <laughs> to be honest especially when you're up against uh, some of the other people in this movie so um, I don't know because I haven't really seen a whole lot and so but he he's definitely a presence and
0: yeah
2: <laughs> that's our word for sterling hayden too right he's, he's a
1: presence he's a presence I, I always wondered what the set was What's like with him like? and <laughs> with him and dino on set on Rio bravo mm-hmm. um because i mean it looks like they had a lot of fun and like you know like what you said brian i think that had something to do with hawks like he was able to yeah. you know he was friends with uh with John Wayne and you know he was able to get you know some of that pull that goofiness out of him in a movie you wouldn't expect that type of stuff to come from but then you have Dean Dean Martin who was I mean you know he comes from one of the great comedic duos right Martin and Lewis Mm -hmm. yeah and so like even though Dino was the straight man in that pair he was still funny as hell He's a great yeah. actor, obviously a great singer, just an, an all-around great entertainer. And so I always wondered, like, were these two giant personalities like like always clashing on set? If they were, you would never be able to tell from this because they get along so well. Yeah, you don't mm-hmm. you don't sense any sort of animosity from anyone on that set.
0: Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. you know what's funny though is um, you know, Peter Bogdanovich brought this up. That of the three leads there, John Wayne, Dean Martin, Ricky Nelson, at the time the person who was most famous worldwide because of television and everything was Ricky Nelson. Yeah, Nelson? you know, so it's it's sort of sort of funny, you know, that he's sort of uh, thought of as sort of the now as the third part of the this third trio. guy yeah. right yeah. you know. Um but at the time, I mean he was as far as international fame went, he was a huge star. You know, huge both star. both as a musician and as a television star. Ozzy and Harriet growing up with that. Um so it's really interesting. Um but that that trio, the three of them, that's it's really it's really something to watch, you know.
1: It is what my favorite thing about the movie is how Chance, uh, mm-hmm. John Wayne's character, never gets in. Uh, shit, uh, just slipped my mind. What's Dino's character's name? Dude, dude, dude duh. Uh, never Chance never gets in Dude's way. Like he, when Dude is is you know having a meltdown, or when he's. Uh, whatever, when he's trying to process whatever is happening in his life, because he's been on this two year bender. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but chance lets him play it out. Uh, and that is my favorite thing. Like that is, you know, it's like an older brother, uh, letting the younger brother learn and experience things. And he never like, uh, he never forces him to do anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it's all, you know, the, the greatest scene, I, I, in, my, in my opinion, of the movie is when they go into the bar and, you know, Dino says, I want to go in the front door. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Chance yeah. says, are you ready? And said, uh, we'll find out. And, and Chance goes, yes, we will. And Chance just, he's back in the corner the whole time letting dude just kind of figure this out. Where is this guy we're looking for? Where is this We know he's in here, but he's gonna he's letting him run the show and it's just the coolest thing. And I don't know if you know that was a Hawks thing, if that was a John Wayne thing, like this is how I'm gonna play the character. However it, it was however it came about, it doesn't matter because it plays so damn well and perfect.
2: Yeah, and that was another, that was one of the only, there were two things I remembered from my first watch of this movie into this one. One was the singing in the jailhouse, Mm because that's just incredibly memorable. And the second is the blood dripping in the beer. Yeah. You know, and for some reason, I remembered that coming at the climax of the movie. I remember that as the ending. Right. You know, just because it is so strong. And watching it, you know, twice in a row, just over the past couple days, that scene, you're right. I think that's my favorite scene in the movie. It is so strong. Um, that whole setup getting there, too, is, is fantastic. And uh, Dino is given a lot to do. He's given a lot of cool business, like how we can't get the cigarette to roll. And he's always it. breaking mm. it. And, you know, and then like the, the scene where he's, um, his, hand, they're showing his hands shaking and then, yep. you know, he decides he's not going to drink the whiskey when the music starts and he pours it back pours into the it bottle. pours it back into the
3: bottle. No. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's like, it didn't spill a drop. You know, that stuff is like, you know, I know John Wayne's top build, but to me, this is Dean Martin's movie.
0: Well, that <laughs> yeah. absolutely is.
1: <that>, <laughs> That, yeah. that was Howard Hawks intention like Dino yeah. is he's uh, dude that is is the the main player it's his story yeah uh, which is which is really that's how I cool. see it
3: that's my favorite relationship yeah. in the movie is between uh, Chance and dude and mm-hmm. yeah like you were saying that's kind of how I would describe it too. like a older brother like letting the younger brother kind of go through what he needs to go through and learn on his own like what works for him and just maybe kind of push him a little bit to to be better and let him but let him make the decisions for himself to change to not drink to help out to not give up on himself that's my favorite yeah that's my favorite thing about the whole movie and yeah it, Dean Martin's performance is amazing he's so, so good. great so
1: great. Yeah. I you know how how chance uh and and chance never says he never no. like yells at him or yeah, anything. He, yeah, he, he never gets He never mad takes at him the opportunity. Yeah. yeah. He never says, You you know, sit this one out. I don't want you here. You're not fit to do this. He always yeah. says, Are you coming along? And like it, it's he like, always are you leaves ready? the decision. Yeah. yeah. Leaves the decision in dude's hands. And you know, these are like two best friends, uh, chance, even though, uh, a dude has been through some shit the past two years, still trusts his best friend implicitly. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's beautiful to watch. And I love how yeah. chance is sort of, you know, uh, he's not the domineering sheriff. Of course that, you know, uh, you know, if, uh, when you think about the Gary Cooper Westerns, even like these aren't the domineering sheriffs of the town. You know, Chance really is like the older brother to so many of them, to uh, Carlos, the the hotel, the guy mm-hmm. that runs the hotel, you know. Um, and and I love how people it's not like you can tell. And of course, they don't show this, but you can tell Chance didn't come into this town and like demand respect from everybody. Uh He, he earned it. And because he, he gives respect to everybody too. And to me, like that isn't the John Wayne caricature that is in my head. Like you always think about this larger than life character. Who's like, I'm John Wayne, respect the fuck out of me. Uh, But the chance this guy is, you know, he loves everybody. And, and the one person (laughs) that can rattle his, his bones is feathers, feathers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. angie dickinson and you know danny's right like there are so many funny moments in this movie where john wayne is allowed to be his his clownish you know mm-hmm. self and it's all with with feathers or of course when the when the mule scares him right. um but it's you know i i really think john wayne has an opportunity here in this movie to like, kind of show his range. It's not a big range, okay? Let's be honest. It's, it's John Wayne. He doesn't have a huge range, but he can, you know, do a little bit of everything. And But uh, other other than when Dino's questioning uh, that, that lineup of guys, any time that John Wayne is with Angie Dickinson and she is just flustering the shit out of him is just the tops I love watching it play out because <laughs> yeah. she, she's just like oh I know what I'm doing he's putty in my hand and I'm just kind of you know toying yeah. with him uh, and you know Danny says it a lot in his essays uh, Hawks has them as equals like one is not more important than the other one is not playing the other they're like so equally matched it's pretty incredible talking about that from a movie from 1959 a western mm-hmm. from 1959
2: yeah, yeah. You know it's funny you're talking about um john wayne's range and uh apparently um there's there's a story you know how true it is you know print the legend kind of thing i guess but um but john ford apparently went and saw red river and which is hawks's hawks didn't make a lot of westerns um in before rio bravo he made you know sort of that trilogy afterward but um, Red River was one of his first If not his first western And John Wayne Against Montgomery Clift There in that movie Terrific movie Apparently John Ford saw that and said I had no idea the big dumb son of a bitch Could act
1: <laughs> And um <laughs> and, You
2: know obviously John Ford had been making all these movies With John Wayne up to that point And <laughs> the reason why he wanted to do the searchers with John Wayne as, as, uh, Ethan Edwards is because he saw red river and that he could, the dumb son of a bitch could act because, (laughs) um, it's, it's, uh, because Ethan Edwards is, is a dark character. Yeah. You know, um, when there's there's a shot in there where he, where he doesn't it's it's sort of a, it's almost a Jimmy Stewart acting moment where you just know what he's thinking. it's yeah. there's just this close up that pulls in on him. It's like oh my gosh, he's gonna kill her. Yeah. Um, I don't you know, spoiler if you haven't seen that movie. Thanks. Actually, it, it's so <laughs> random that that if you haven't seen the movie, you probably wouldn't remember that. <laughs> it probably wouldn't mean anything to you. But um, so that that's just some of those things that you know Hawks I think is able to tap into John Wayne in a way that even like I said John Ford um couldn't until he saw the potential there I think um and I think part of that is because Howard Hawks just a terrific actor's director yeah you know he he really um did such lovely work with um you know dialogue of course and um just he's he, there's less of the overlapping dialogue in this movie, but you know, in something like uh, you know, he was, became so well known for that, you know, in his comedies, so you bringing a baby and stuff, and then yeah, um, his girl so, Friday, of course, is his girl is Friday, his Friday <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so I think, um, just the kind of performances and mannerisms he's able to get out of actors, and you see that here too, you know, um, like there's this, I love i think um some of that probably came you know dean dean martin i don't know how much of that was put into his performance probably these little pieces of business where you know hawks were saying you know let's give you this little something that you do yeah my
3: favorite thing is him rubbing yeah. his beard all the time yeah yeah all he's thinking
2: <laughs> yeah and then ricky nelson's always kind of rubbing his nose yeah and um then you have uh, I love the part where Angie Dickinson is shaving dude, mm-hmm. where Feathers is shaving him, and she's concentrating she so hard. Nose. She's kinda she's kinda she's kind of <laughs> sticking her tongue out a little bit, like she's <laughs> concentrating really hard. And in that interview with um, Angie Dickinson in that thing on the Blu-ray, uh, she says, I never would have thought of that. That was directly from Hawks telling me oh, what to shit. do. And wow. so and you know it's and it's just like this simple kind of thing, you know, where you know if you're concentrating really hard on something, you kind of <laughs> stick yeah. your tongue out. Um, and so I, I'd be fascinated to hear more stories like that about about Howard Hawks, how much he gave these little sort of tidbits of idea to to his actors, you know, or and how much he let them do their right. thing, you know. Well,
1: I mean. Uh, I don't know if you guys, you know, a few days ago as of this recording, uh I had uh retweeted that thing from TCM from their first season of uh their podcast and uh where they kind of re-aired a bunch of Peter Bogdanovich's old interviews that he that he taped yes. in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and so that one with Howard Hawks uh Hawks is, you know, uh older at this point. This is 1970. 1970- one, I think, is when they taped it. Yeah. Um. But like, I mean, it, it is, you know, I w- in my tweet I said it's a thirty-minute masterclass. I swear to God, like this man is fucking brilliant. Yeah. Like just uh, it, the way his brain works, it just sounds so natural. And to think about making a movie seems like the hardest thing in the world. You know, people like us, we watch movies, we research movies, and we know. Like, just how hard it is to get a damn thing like that made um, and how much work goes into it. And I'm sure Howard Hawks put so much work into it, but I have never heard a filmmaker just kind of freely flow from his mind just how to direct a movie. Like, it was just so natural for him to talk about it. And I've never, ever heard that, you know, in the hundreds of interviews that I've read and watched, I've never heard an, in a director just be so casual and natural about, Oh, this is how you do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I loved it.
2: Yeah. I listened to that a long time ago. It's definitely one worth visiting because that whole season was just fantastic.
1: Great. Well, they, they, he, they did air one with, it was like a, yeah, three actors. I think it was Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart, John Wayne, and maybe it was Henry Ford. I can't remember. Uh, you know, like maybe ten minutes of conversation from each of those guys. But, you know, it was interesting listening to John Wayne. At this point, I think when when Bogdanovich interviewed him, he was pretty Pretty John Wayne-y by that point. Uh, you know, kind, kind of the asshole Playboy interview John Wayne that we oh, all yeah. seem oh, to yeah. hate. Uh, but it's still, you can't take away the mythic personality of of right. you know what he did. But Howard Hawks. So, you know, just this past weekend, I kind of went on a little Hawks tear, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I watched Scarface. I did like three different Hawks eras. I did Scarface, I did Bring Up Baby, and then I did... no, no. no. What did I, what did I watch? Scarface, bring a baby in the big sleep. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, last, I think it was last season I was talking to Hertzberg from fun city Editions. We were talking about Tulane blacktop and Monty Hellman. Yeah. And just when you look at Monty Hellman's filmography and just like all the like random shit he did, like he was just a director for hire. He could do yeah. anything like whatever the job called for. You call Monty Hellman, whatever. You know, he did Silent Night, Deadly Night, part, whatever. <laughs> it, it was five uh, or four. three. Three. Okay. Yeah. Like, he, <laughs> I had to he, watch he, them all for a he, piece I did. He could do it all. And so you look at Howard Hawks's, yeah. uh filmography, it's the same thing. Like, the guy could direct whatever you wanted him to. It's incredible, mm-hmm. his filmography, the yeah. the uh, the variety of his filmography. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay, I have a question for you here. Uh, ha- have you both seen the the trilogy the Real Bravo, El Dorado and Real Lobo?
2: I haven't seen either of the other two.
1: Okay.
3: I haven't either. Uh,
1: it was a little confusing. I watched El Dorado just like last week or two weeks ago before re-watching mm-hmm. Real Bravo, and I was like, wait a minute. Didn't I just watch this? Because it's, you know, it's written by yeah. uh, Lee Brackett and both of them are, and it's like essentially a remake. Uh, yeah, he Lee Brackett a- was okay. like,
2: why are we doing this? This is exactly the same movie, okay. as I recall. <laughs> I heard some interviews with, with her. Uh I think Pure Cinema did something.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. that's what it was. That. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And so El Dorado was the one that was pretty much just real Bravo again. <laughs> when did those
1: come out? Uh da, 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 get somebody. okay, so Real Bravo comes out in 59 yeah. and El Dorado comes out in si- sixty-six. So Ooh. seven years later, uh with okay. Wayne playing what he did in Real Bravo, and then it's um uh, It's the same story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the same story. Uh <laughs> Thanks, and God. Robert Robert Mitchum in the, My uh, the dude. And then James Kahn has uh, Mississippi, not, uh, not, not Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> <Right. Nice>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I, I, yeah. I, I was like, No, I really want to see this now. <laughs> yeah, well, when I watched this. Okay, well, you know, James Kahn, uh, a lot funnier, a lot more personality than, than Ricky uh, Nelson, I got to say. <laughs> so that's a lot, like, that role is a lot more fun in El Dorado um but i i still prefer eh, robert mitchum like nothing for god's sakes you can't take anything away from that guy yeah no <laughs> um but uh, you know I, I don't know i just prefer barely i guess over eldorado I, pre- I prefer real bravo i haven't watched real lobo for a couple years i can't really remember mm. that one maybe it's good that i didn't rewatch that because then it, i'd it'd be a real jumbled mess in my brain like what the hell's going on okay uh
3: I will watch any movie for like actors that I like, so I'm into it. I'm gonna go watch El Dorado now.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, it's it's great. It's great. Uh, have you guys seen High Noon? Yes, I saw it in college. Okay, yeah. so you know, of course, this is this the was kind of response to Hawks, uh, yeah, High Hawks Noon. and Wayne's yeah. response. Uh, and I like High Noon. Uh, fine, but yeah, in, in, I've actually... in my opinion, it, it ain't no real Bravo. Yeah, really you know, in it. all honesty, really what's, f-
2: <laughs> funny, what's funny about High Noon is the first time I – it was one of the first Westerns that I saw uh, that, you know, was a classic Western. Sure. And I was like, wow, this is really good. And then I saw more Westerns and it just sort of – it faded Yeah. quite a bit um, yeah. as time went on just because it just didn't stack up to something like, you know, My Darling Clementine. Or which is a great, you know, John Ford western, or you know, so a lot of these other movies, it just didn't um, quite. Something about it just faded over time for me. uh, In by comparison, I think.
1: Michelle, you really liked it though.
3: I remember uh, they showed it to us in one of my film classes in college, and I remember really being into it. But yeah, I haven't watched it since then. I remember kind of being into like the simplicity of it. Yeah. That's yeah. what I remember the most. And that it wasn't what I what I thought of when I thought of a western. It was very, still very different, but I'd have to I have to rewatch that one again. I do remember really liking it.
1: You know, I I I do like Gary Cooper a lot and uh this this uh well, in book one, we will get to Man of the West. Oh, I so love that movie. Yeah, Man of man the of West. Man of the I re- West is I really like. brilliant. Great. Yeah. So, it's
2: actually, as, as far as the Anthony Mann Westerns go, I was like, oh, uh, it doesn't have Jimmy Stewart in it. But but then I saw it, and I was like, oh, man, this is so, so good. It might even be my favorite of all those Anthony Mann Westerns, the, oh, this, wow. the, that series of six or so. Yeah. I remember it being really good. And all of those are really pretty good most of them are are at least pretty good
1: so yeah we will eventually get to that but uh i i just think it's funny like hawks and and wayne like sitting around watching this movie thinking this guy's such a pussy we need to make our own movie to like have the (laughs) sheriff not running around town going somebody please help me anybody please help me uh and if that's not fair to i mean high noon of course is great i i i I like it a lot Uh, but like I said, real Bravo, it just it does not stack up. Maybe I'll change my mind if I you know, rewatch it here soon. Sure. Um, but uh, let's see. Oh, gosh, I have so many notes we didn't we haven't talked about yet. <laughs> um, OK, so. Uh, here's something I really love. I think John Wayne really has a, the opportunity to just really kind of be goofy and i think again that goes back to his relationship with hawks and i think one of the little character traits again where did this come from was this hawks was this him was this somebody else how he rolls the The front brim of his hat like like a goofy like yosemite sam type of thing it looks so Uh weird (laughs) and you know it's it's like you know when when Dino gets his makeover, gets a fresh shave and a shower and like new duds and a new hat before, I like them uh, better stu- <laughs> beforehand. Before way hotter before, before Stumpy, before. Before Stumpy <laughs> fucked his hat up. But like he's got that like really cool looking perfect hat, and so that's yeah. what you think of these like cowboy hats. But John Wayne's wearing you know this nasty old <laughs> like it's got a hole. In the middle top of it, and he rolls the brim. I just, I love that. Like that's another thing. Like that's not the John Wayne you think of when you think of John Wayne.
2: You know what's okay? So Peter Bogdanovich, on that again, this is from that commemoration thing on the Blu-ray. He said something. He went. He was at John Wayne's house, and he saw this hat under glass, and he said, "Um, what is that?" He says, "Oh, that's the hat that I wore from Stagecoach all the way through Rio Bravo." And had it had it was falling apart, so um, we had to get a new one after that. So apparently, <laughs> yeah, hey, I really, mean, yeah, wow. and I was like, "What, really?" That oh, just that's incredible. Well, that, I, mean, I mean, it if, it if looks that, like it, the fucking thing was falling apart. If that's, I mean, if that's <laughs> true, I mean, I mean, because it seems like he's wearing a different hat in the searchers, but um, but I. Th- You know, looking, thinking back to, you know, the famous shot, you know, pushing in on Ringo, the Ringo kid, you know, in stagecoach, I'm like, is that the same hat? (laughs) You know, is what I was started thinking. And I think it might be, you know, so that's just incredible. Yeah, that he would just make that part of his persona. That was just what Mm -hmm. he War when he was in Westerns was that hat, yeah, uh, that's cool, but yeah, by that point yeah i i th- I thought it was really funny that the the role and it's almost like he was wearing the hat of the drunk, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, or that'd be the hat that you would expect, like somebody like Stumpy to be wearing. Yeah, right? totally. But no, totally. like the, the sheriff is wearing this ratty ass hat. And I love how also Chance, you know, he's he's got his sidearm, his you know his pistol in his holster, but he's always carrying the you know the rifle or shotgun, rifle. whatever the fuck it is, rifle. Yeah. yeah. Um, and <laughs> I I don't know. That's it's sort of like a guy roaming through a western town with a whaling harpoon. Uh, but instead it's like you have your sheriff just walking around with a rifle i you know that's another little touch that i really love
2: there are so many just great details in this movie you know just just the way it all all adds together into these characters you know they're all giving just these little idiosyncrasies and pieces of business that they do you know i love it
1: well another uh sequence that I just adore. I love it. So perfect is when chance and dude are walking through town and it's right before chance gets spooked by the mule. Yeah. He's, you know, he says, I'm getting jumpy. Uh, But again, it, it's another sequence where it's just silence mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: it is so scary. <laughs> like you can feel the tension uh-huh. that these two guys Are experiencing like looking for because this is right after what they're searching for the guy. Is this right before they go in the bar?
2: This is Yeah, this is after um This is after uh Pat's been shot. Yeah, after
1: Wheeler's been shot. Yep. Yeah. It's so scary and like the the tension building again, Hawks. He's just like Mm -hmm. everybody shut the fuck up and just let them walk and it's so mm-hmm. scary.
2: Do you know what that all reminded me of though? It it was interesting cuz I was started thinking cat people. Um oh, it, Val yeah. Luton movie where she's walking down the street and she's cat keeps looking behind her. Yes. You know and then mm-hmm. and then oh. when the horse jumps out it's almost like the yeah. when the bus pulls up. <laughs> it's you know it's that Luton bus. It's the it's the, the bus jump scare.
1: scare. It's got to be yeah, I bet. I bet that's what it is.
2: Yeah, I because I, I I immediately thought um, uh, Val Luton during that. It just got a feeling of Val Luton during that section. And I loved it. It was like, this is great. I mean, a Western that's got a touch of a horror movie in it. That's awesome.
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he really does mix and everything. Go ahead, Michelle.
3: I was gonna say like one of my favorite sequences was just like right at the beginning and how it establishes a uh, dude's character yeah. when he just just kind of saunters into the bar and he's like or the saloon, sorry, and he's just does the thing with the beard, which I think is his like um, I don't know what that tick means exactly if that's him thinking like what he's gonna do or what but just the way that it establishes that you know you know he's a drunk and that this other guy joe is an asshole but then also that dude is a really good shot and so he's got a uh, a past where he wasn't always like this and this is his he's heading towards rock bottom and that really just kind of uh endears you to the character a lot more plus d Martin just has the look I mm-hmm. really like that just kind of endears you even more he's got like the droopy eyes you know yeah um and just the the earnestness that he has in some of his lines um mostly I just want to talk about like Dean Martin in this movie um, like the way he can deliver his lines um where he uh, especially to chance when they're talking and um, that scene where he quits is mm. is so heartbreaking too and just like takes off of yeah. his his badge um but again yeah chance never never lets him really um he, i mean he kind of lets him like attempt to hit bottom but doesn't let him uh he won't let him go over the edge and i really like their right. characters you know yeah that's what just kind of gets to me the most about this and Plus, D. Martin is really hot. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> okay. and this is um, uh, this is kind of a combination of like westerns that I really like because I do like westerns that um do are more gritty with a little bit more of an edge. Like one of my favorites is High Plains Drifter. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um, Great but then movie.
3: there's also the difference between like ones where if they're a little too clean. Sometimes you know, like the shirts are a little too clean. That they're wearing the costumes are a little too much. It's like that doesn't really feel real. So this one is kind of feels like a combination of the that those two things to me. Sure. Which so I don't know where I was going with that. That's just things that I
1: know about that, the movie. <laughs> that's kind of why I you know the Gary Cooper westerns kind of feel like that. They're a little too clean. Yeah. For me, like I've seen wow. like some
3: pictures where it's like. I don't think that's how they really looked <laughs> in yeah. that
1: time. Like oh, you, they're, a too, think they're, they're a little
3: too clean shaven and their shorts are the well, costumes you know, I, are too clean, you know?
1: I think Peck and Paw nailed it in the wild bunch where it's that's like totally these yeah. guys are fucking disgusting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like this is what everybody <laughs> looked like back then. So yeah. uh I love how they don't consider beer alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> I know. What is that about? As as a recently uh, sober person, I'm like, wow, that's uh, uh, huh. That doesn't work like that. But okay, maybe not
3: as much alcohol content <laughs> it's like about, they're trying to
2: take the edge off or something take, it's so yeah. it's like i had a beer and it didn't do any good
1: <laughs> no you don't say it didn't do any good huh <laughs> oh there is a funny yeah. there's a
3: funny part like at the beginning when um chance has got a bottle of beer that he's going to give to dude but he keeps like as he's oh, talking yeah to stumpy he keeps like moving his hand away and dude keeps like and trying to grab trying it. to grab it <laughs> yeah
1: yeah that is super funny Uh, Okay, here's a moment that I think is hysterical in, uh, so this is, I think, after we first meet Angie Dickinson uh, and John Wayne, uh, Chance discovers, like, he assumes that she was cheating at the cards, Mm -hmm. right? uh, but discovers, okay, it's not her, and so he goes downstairs, she follows him and he goes and, like, uh, confronts the dude and, like, kicks the chair out from him, and there's a, (laughs) excuse me. Excuse me, there's a cut to there's a cut to feathers. This is like a super horny movie, by the way. There's a cut to Heathers or Feathers where she's standing on like by the Newell post and she's just like she's got, you know, her sexy little half smile and like watching Chance do his thing and she's like rubbing, rubbing the, the, new- the, the ball the ball cap. <laughs> That's right. I was like, oh my That's god. That's right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like holy what of, calm down
3: one of my notes is just feathers is so hot for him <laughs>
1: like, yeah. so that's hot a, that's one, all yeah. it is
3: <laughs> like the whole time she's just so hot for him
1: well yeah and, and then when she when she comes on to him chance like uh john wayne again proving how funny he can be like his he starts talking faster like the not john wayne voice he's right. uh, you know he, he the, the gate goes up you know uh the the tone goes up in pitch he's talking yeah. faster he's talking higher and it's so funny and uh, then the one time she says uh uh oh god damn it. oh um oh damn it i i have the line here something like uh oh she goes better run along and do your job and he, he like he throws his hands up and he just shakes his head and he goes, hmm. and he just walks out of the room. It's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Or the
3: whole their whole last scene together. Like where she just like Yeah, totally, he said you I loved like,
1: me. I did I said I'd arrest you. Yeah. Same thing. It's the same thing. thing. Yeah.
3: I'm hard to get. You're gonna have to say you want me. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, girl. Love well that that. that
1: Again, like, I think it's before the kind of final showdown. He says, Aren't you sorry now you didn't get on the stage? And she just does her, yep. like, slight little <laughs> head shake and her coy <laughs> smile. And you're just Hello like, it. Oh, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> she's so, she's so hot for you right now to go kill those motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're, I mean, you know, everybody is so good in this. Yeah. Everybody.
2: You know, and or
3: his little scene that he has with Carlos when um, Carlos is trying to tell him what happened. Um, when uh, what's uh, his wife's name? Consuela? Consuelo. 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 <laughs> yeah, when he's got a black eye because Consuelo hit him, but he's trying oh, yeah. to tell yeah. to, he's trying to tell Chance that she didn't get on the stagecoach. Uh, he's a little bit flustered. There, it's like just let me tell the story, Mister Chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: you know it's funny because. You know, this movie just immediately grew on me, and I think it it will continue to. Because yeah. now I now that after we're discussing this, I'm like I kind of want to just go throw it on again. Me too, because mm-hmm. it's just got. There's something about it that has that sense to it. It's kind of a movie you can just kind of hang out with.
1: Well, yeah, that's that's is. what Quentin says. You know, yeah. it's it's his favorite hangout movie, and he's exactly right. Like it's such yeah. a comfort you can just put it on because there's no. There's not uh, a lot of
3: action, really.
1: There, yeah, and and there's no spoilers if you haven't seen uh, Real Bravo. Sorry, but uh, there's no like major tragedy, mm-hmm. uh, and you know it's just it's just a good dude total... gets
3: kidnapped a couple times, but he's fine. <laughs>
1: God, poor guy. It's just kind of a story <laughs> in tide. the life of this town, yeah. you know. Yeah, and okay, th- so that's another thing I wanted to say yeah. real quick is that not many westerns. Uh, when I watch them, am I like, I want to be in that town. Most Westerns I watch, I'm like, oh, God, I would hate being there. <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, this town, other than the the shitty Burdett family, uh, like, everybody kind of seems to get along and like each other. And, yeah, pretty chill. And, and I, you know, this was, I was like, I wouldn't mind living here because everybody's really freaking cool. It was also kind of nice to see... Just,
2: I mean, there's not a lot of it, but there's the racial diversity in the movie. Sure, you know, because we've got the Mexican characters and the Chinese character, and they're all just yeah, the Undertaker. Yeah, yeah, they're just there's no difference in how they they work with each other. Everyone, everyone's treated exactly the same. (coughs) Everyone's respected, Um, and you know, because like John Wayne does not talk to the Undertaker any different than he talks to anybody else true in the movie and i was like this is 1959 it's almost yeah. it comes across as a little bit revolutionary feeling
1: it, you know yeah, just absolutely
2: just you know even though there's small moments but i mean like you said i mean um carlos and and his wife they run the hotel they're they're among mm-hmm. the richest people in the yes. town yeah you know it's not they really give
3: feathers a job
2: yeah it's yeah. not really emphasized, but <laughs> the but Mexican it's clear. people
1: give the white woman a job
2: yeah that yeah. I mean that's a good think point. about that yeah. that's crazy, yeah, and so I mean it's subtle in the movie, it's not like a big in your face kind of thing at all. it's just part of the tapestry of the movie um, but I was like that's really cool, you know, yeah. considering um how you know so many western stereotypes you know are yeah mm-hmm. this is not the case um yeah,
1: exactly
0: you
3: know, um, and it's yeah. not a particularly violent movie either i mean there is like the family that kind of owns everything that the brudettes or um him, yeah. joe's brother nathan is the one who's like a wealthy landowner or something and that's the the sway that he has over the town i yeah. guess but it's not mm-hmm. like in other westerns where like someone's getting shot like every day, you know. Right. <laughs> Which is um good. I kind of um I remember this having a little bit more of a climax. it kind of seemed like anticlimactic when it got to the end. Even though there's a big explosion, explosions are cool.
1: But <laughs> that, that's the idea. Like Stumpy's like, uh don't you think this is going to be a a bit too much? Or he's like he's going to take the whole thing down. Yeah, like, that's, what the you, it, that's, that's the idea. That's the idea. idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For
3: some so, reason, I always
2: had it in my head that this was a siege movie.
3: I always thought the, that a it, lot more of it yeah. took place in the jail. Especially, yeah, like, was, Brian and I were talking about, like, when they were like, we're just going to hole up in here for three or four days until the Marshall gets here. I remember yeah. so much more of it, like, taking place. Like Maybe I was thinking of Assault on Precinct 13. <laughs> yeah, I know. that's. I, I think I was kind of
2: equating the two a little bit in my I head. I think I was, too. That, a little bit more towards the Assault on Precinct 13. Um, because, uh, you know, John Carpenter always says that this movie was, you know, kind of the inspiration yeah. for that.
0: Right. So...
1: And um, he, he does the, who's he with? He does the commentary on that Blu-ray. With, right.
2: I can't uh, remember who the oh, Richard upstairs. Schickel?
1: Yeah. Yes. Oh, with Richard yeah. Schickel.
2: Oh, yeah. wow.
1: So and that, that I, I have to listen to He's that, the time.
2: He was the critic for Time Magazine, I want to
3: say? Time Magazine,
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay.
1: I don't know any of this stuff. Man.
3: Well, Richard Schickel <laughs> what was, am I a, doing here? He was a
2: terrific <laughs> biographer of, of, of some, uh, you know, I think he did a Clint Eastwood one that I read. He's done, you no, know, he's did some of the, uh, he did one on Scorsese and some other people too. So oh, dead. Yeah. Sweet. he will okay. put together some, yeah, there it is. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> well, up there somewhere.
1: Uh, we're going to move on here, but real yeah. Bravo, just a masterpiece. I, I, I want to thank you guys. I told you this <laughs> over, <laughs> uh, our Twitter messages, but, uh, after two weeks of movies that uh, I was not in love with, I was so glad to come to a movie that I am over the moon about, and that was—I'll I'll tell you—it was—it was "Greetings," Brian De Palma's "Greetings" was. Oh, I haven't uh, watched that yet. Uh, I have, two, I have two two that weeks blue. Before. And then uh, uh, I just <laughs> recorded last night. Roger Corman's Little Shop of Horrors. Oh! And, and I, I feel bad for uh, Bill and Heather came on for Greetings, and, and then Unsung Horrors came on last night for Little Shop, and I feel bad because, of course, they all love those movies, and I'm like, guys, not good. Not good. So, anyways, I appreciate you guys coming on and, and giving me something that I'm super excited to talk about. Uh, we, we're already... Exactly. Our runtime, I think, is already longer than those two episodes, which tells you that I really didn't have much to say. So, well, what's uh, funny
2: is you know this is this is short for Michelle and I. I mean, we just
3: this is is like nothing. We we just okay. This is like we're just getting
2: started. We we recorded an episode on Midnight Mass.
0: How long was was that episode?
1: Five hours. Five hours. Is that why you split it into two? We are going to be
2: splitting it into uh, pieces Possibly. when we when we release it. I be, I have a feeling. I'll we... see
3: if there's I'll see if there's a good yeah split point for that Break one. Point, yeah, yeah, we might yeah. have to. It'll probably be a little
2: shorter when it's edited down a little bit. But mm, boy, there that's the longest really a of we've of, there ever There wasn't recorded. really
3: a lot of pauses in that one. Yeah. <laughs> that was surprising. <laughs> it's probably not going to be that much shorter. <laughs>
1: Well, have fun editing that. Thank you. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) Okay, into the second half of our program here, our pairing recommendations for Rio Bravo. Uh, I had, well, I'm interested because we've thrown out a title already on the show in the messages before there was a title that was thrown out. I'm just curious if that's going to come up again. We'll see. Let's get right into it. Let's start with uh, Michelle. Let me hear your first pairing recommendation with Rio Bravo.
3: Okay, I'm the one who threw out that title. I'm not going to say it. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's
1: too obvious.
3: Um, this one, um, I honestly I don't remember too much about this movie, but we have mentioned it before. Another John Wayne, John Ford movie. I picked uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Balance um, from 1962. Um, mostly what i uh like i said i don't have the best memory of movies i've only seen once um but what i kind of remembered about this one that felt like a good pairing to rio bravo was just um a guy standing up to you know the the group of villains or the the gang in the town um so this is uh jimmy stewart as uh rance stoddard um It was coming back to me as I was reading the Wikipedia entry. Okay, at the beginning, you know, it shows that he's a U.S. senator now, and he's coming back to um, his hometown uh, for this guy Tom's funeral, and so it goes back to when he was a young man, and when he was a young man, he was known um, as the guy who stood up to Liberty Valance um, and the the gang that it was in that town. I don't remember the name of it, and. That was pretty much the only connection that I had to this movie, but and it's a great movie too. Uh, uh it's the first it's actually the first of the the Jimmy Stewart westerns that I've seen, but I'm definitely want to see him and more stuff.
1: Oh, cool. Uh, uh let me admit something here. <clears throat> I've never seen a Jimmy Stewart western. So
3: Oh, you haven't seen this one?
1: I, no. I've never seen the this man. This is a great one. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. I'm I'm excited to to finally do it.
2: Yeah, and also be sure to check out the ones he did with Anthony Mann. Oh, I definitely are, will.
3: Those are the ones I want to see. Th-
2: those are yeah. so good. I mean, um, Naked Spur, Winchester 73 are the ones that sort of stick in my mind. But Those are the ones um, Rachel told me to watch, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they're, yeah. they're really some uh, interesting ones. There's one that kind of takes place in the Northwest, so I'm partial to that because, you know, that's where I live. Um, and I like, a, I like a Northwest Western, you know, like – mccabe and mrs miller kind of thing what's Um, what's
1: the one where where jimmy stewart he's leading a family like across the country or like he's hired to have them cross some oh right
2: uh yeah i can't remember which one that is but uh, i remember that there's is it the far country
1: uh i don't think so bend of i think it's bend of the river bend
2: of the river yeah yeah that's I remember that one. I, I actually need to watch them all again because uh it's been a while, but those are so good. Actually one of the first I saw westerns that I saw was maybe my first John Wayne western was with Jimmy Stewart. It was actually his last movie called The Shootist. Oh yeah. Yeah. So cool. it's an interesting movie. But,
1: yeah, I yeah. I really need to to dive into those. I think I probably my my interest for Bend of the River was peaked probably from Pure Cinema again, uh, as yeah. you know my my interest in many 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 hundreds of films. That's
3: pretty much pretty much every movie that I watch now was because, because of, of them exactly. <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, Brian. Let's go to you. Your first pairing recommendation with Rio Bravo.
2: Okay, so I was had these grand ideas that I was going to, um, you know, westerns written by women. Um and uh, uh, so I tried watching this old movie uh, directed by Cecil B. DeMille called The Plainsman, and I couldn't even finish it. Oh. The, the caricatures of the Native Americans were so egregious. It was just, like, offensive. I couldn't watch it <laughs> any further, and so I uh, gave up that plan, but in the same set that that movie was in is this movie called... Um, the man it's not called the, it's just called man in the shadow from 1957. And there are two movies from that year called man in the shadow. This is the one directed by Jack Arnold, um, who also directed creature from the black lagoon yeah. and the incredible shrinking man. Um, and this boy, I had never even heard of this. And this just sounded like, uh, um, but I think I found a real gem uh, with this movie because it's um, it starts out with these um, two like ranch bosses, you know, going into um, like the field hands quarters, you know, where all the, and, and this it's like on a border town in, in, in Texas. And so all of their ranch hands are like Mexicans, Mexican immigrants and, you know, drifters and, you know, people looking for jobs, migrant workers, those kinds of things. They go in, they grab this younger guy, um, Mexican guy, and they drag him out and they beat it, start beating him up until they actually beat him to death. And that's how the movie starts. (laughs) Um, and then it goes on to have, um, Jeff Chandler plays the sheriff of this town and, um, he is sort of compelled to investigate it. And he um and you know as soon as he starts to suspect that this kid was murdered um you know the cover up starts happening and here's the kicker Orson Welles plays the the rancher okay so this has this has the small town it has you know the small town sheriff against the Big landowner, it's got a drunk deputy that's in it a little bit. It's got, but one of the things that it's really interesting about it is that it really is dealing with race. There's this great scene where all of the people because the sheriff gets roughed up by the same people at one point, and um, all of the townspeople are watching him. It's like, we're shocked, we're so shocked, and all these things. Why are you shocked? And he says, because is it because my name's Ben Sadler and not, you know, um, the name of this of the Mexican boy that was beat up? Sure. Uh, Is it because I'm a taxpayer and not a drifter? It's like, is that why you're shocked? Um, And it's just, oh, man, I I honestly feel like I found a real gem uh, here with this movie that I had never heard of. And um, I was just. I was surprised by how good it was. And it came out in nineteen fifty-seven. Yeah. And it's a, it's a modern set, quote unquote western. Sure. Um, so you know, it's got vehicles and everything. Oh like yes. So Something like for, like HUD or
1: whatever. Yeah,
2: yeah. it's a, it's it's got a little bit of a of a HUD vibe to sure. it. Sure. Yeah, I thought. Um, but yeah, I was I I really like this movie and was surprised by it.
1: So so I just recently put together a letterbox list of, of uh, like a Kino Lorber wish list. So like Uh when, you know, sales pop up, I don't panic. Like I can just refer to this list that I already know. I want these titles and man in the shadow. I put on that list because it was a movie I'd never heard of. uh, Uh And it's a Western with, with Orson Welles in it, I was like, "I got to see this movie." So, uh, mm-hmm. this this might be one of my first purchases from whenever a sale pops up here.
2: Yeah, um, I was just kind of like, "Wow, this is." I mean, and you know, Jack Arnold is kind of only known for three movies if you include the mouse that roared then yeah. this movie if you looked in liter- in le- his letterbox you know they list the most popular ones first this is way down yeah the list yeah and i was like huh that's that's interesting and it's i thought it's i think it's really very good <sighs> i was um really drawn into it i actually watched it a second time just to make sure that i was really still feeling that way you know before i brought it up here and uh yeah it's i think i liked it better (laughs) the second time that's great yeah so
1: i love it love to hear it yeah that's uh man you know something with westerns you know you pull the trigger on you know a lot of times a title you'd never heard of and you know it really is a 50 50 crapshoot of is this going to be any good is it not uh so you know it's good to hear when when you you already have a title in your mind that you're not you know quite sure about but then somebody else is like oh no that's actually a really good movie so anyways i thank you for that brian that's really exciting
2: you you bet i'm glad i came across it because i never would have watched it if it hadn't been for (laughs) the crappy movie that came in that set uh, that i decided not to watch But there were four other movies in it, or three other movies in that set, so this happened to be on the same disc as that.
1: (laughs) Nice. Okay, so uh, I went urban western, but Mm -hmm. not, uh, did anyone pick Assault on Precinct 13? No. No, okay. So obviously, John Carpenter, you know, loves Rio Bravo, one of his favorite movies of all time. He has always wanted to make a western. He did make a western called Assault on Precinct 13. It's a fabulous movie. Uh, But I love the idea One of
3: his best scores to me Yeah, oh so great I love that score
1: Uh, But I love the idea of the urban western And so that for both Mm -hmm. of my movies I went urban westerns And uh, I think what's cool about urban western Is that that can mean any genre Absolutely any genre, right? And so for my first one I did an urban western that is a horror movie from France, from 2009, called *The Horde*, or *La Horde*. Uh, it's a it's a zombie movie. Say that again. Uh, *La Horde*. I don't know if that if, if that's how you say it. *Horde*. I don't know. Shut up. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, direct... I
3: was just asking for clarification.
1: *La Horde*. <laughs> maybe I I don't know I'll just keep doing that for the rest of the time uh the directors are Yannick Dahan and Benjamin Rocher and uh so it opens at the funeral of uh, a cop and so then these his like partners or or fellow you know narc unit cops go and talk to the guys either widow or mom I can't really tell But the woman says, you know, get his, you know, get revenge, avenge his death. And so, uh, and it's just like, I love a long like opening sequence before you even get the title scene or the title Mm -hmm. screen. So it's like seven and a half minutes of this like kind of backstory of, of what we're going to do. And you think you're watching a crime. It's just going to be a straight up crime movie. So you get the horde and then they are outside of, or uh, they're outside of this, uh, like, tenement, run-down apartment building. They're putting on ski masks, and they said, okay, follow the plan, don't divert, this is what we're doing. So they go in there, and, like, they're gonna kill these gangsters that killed their partner, their friend, and all of a sudden, like, shots start ringing out through the doors, one of the guys dies, and this is all happening, like, within the first ten minutes, and it's like ultra violent, which I tend to love. Sorry, not sorry. Not um, <laughs> me too. And <laughs> and so they break in, and like they, there's sort of this like close encounter standoff, these gangsters versus like the remaining three cops, and uh, all of a sudden they hear like these horrendous noises, and they look down the hall, and there's a fucking zombie apocalypse happening unbeknownst to them the whole city is like on fire zombies everywhere they're in this building they're outside the building uh like the zombies of the city are basically like converging on this tenement building like right outside of city limits and so uh you have like the surviving cops and the surviving gang members like trying to work together to Mm -hmm. survive and they still fucking hate each other and it's really great. I saw it for the first time maybe six or seven years ago, and I was like, what the fuck is this movie? So, and like, I think that's when I was like, I was all in like horror, like that's all I ever watched for like a whole year was just horror movies. And I I stumbled on this and I was like, Jesus Christ this is this is brilliant. And so I was afraid it wasn't going to hold up cuz I know like there was, you know, you got some digital backgrounds, maybe some digitized blood. A lot of the blood is real, but you know how it is. Uh that that doesn't matter. It's still fucking great. It's scary. You have, you know, it's they're not Romero zombies. They're running, charging absolutely ferocious zombies. There's a scene, I think it's the cover of the imported blu-ray of a cop standing on a car roof like you know double guns kind of in the you know in a cross position and he's surrounded by hundreds of zombies and like that's an actual scene in I the think movie
3: i think that's what i'm thinking of because i've heard this title before i have seen a poster or pictures or something from it so, so I that's good what i was thinking of. i
1: love it it's so great uh unfortunately like the like there's an import like, German and French disc that I don't even think is in print anymore. Uh, um, but this, it's a brilliant movie. There are ways to watch it that rhyme with Moo Shub. That rhymes, <laughs> right? Uh, but I I so, so I recommend am. this. It's so cool. It's an urban horror Western. Uh, love it. I think you guys would really like it. So anyways, yeah. uh, the, the horror totally. or... La Horde. <laughs> what was it again? La Horde. <laughs> La I'm not doing it anymore. Okay, Michelle, on to you. Yeah. Number two.
3: Well, my second one is also a horror film. Yes. And um, so, okay, I had one in mind. And then when I went to look it up, I was like, that wasn't really what I was thinking of. So apparently in the same year, in 2014, there was two different movies um, that kind of, not really a similar setup but they have a similar setting um, and i love them both so the one i thought it was which uh, is actually not my pick but i still want to bring it yeah. up because it's really good um is let us pray uh from 2014 great movie um takes place in scotland uh pollyanna mcintosh is like kind of the star uh she's awesome i love her yeah. it's like uh Some like a mysterious guy, uh, ends up in the jail and like, uh, affects all of the two people, and there's like supernatural shit going on. It's a really cool movie, yeah. But, um, that wasn't the one (laughs) that I I was thinking of. One I was thinking of was Last Shift. Oh, Um, God, another um, great one, also from 2014, yeah, um, from Anthony de Blasi. um. This is such a cool little movie, and maybe it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with Rio Bravo. I was more th- because I was thinking Rio Bravo
1: like Assault. took
3: place more inside the jail yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of why I was thinking of this one but um I think it still could work it's absolutely fun. yeah um so it's a young woman she's a w- rookie like police officer who's spending the the last shift um at this uh police station that's gonna be permanently closed after after she's done and like Again, spooky shit happens. Brian, have you seen this?
1: No. Oh, so good. I have. But guess what?
3: There's there's cult shit in it. So (laughs) exactly, (laughs) 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 which is like the magic word for both of us. Yes, (laughs) that's the magic word. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Lots of um. But if you're a fan of ghost stories and stuff too i mean it's got some really cool imagery i haven't i didn't get a chance to re-watch it um since the first time i saw it yeah, actually but uh it's such a good movie one of the best scenes is um she spends most of the time alone and she just like sees spooky stuff or um she gets um, scary phone calls from someone who says that she's like just escaped from this cult and she needs help or something but all the calls are supposed to be routed to the new police station um but then one of the best scenes is when um, another cop shows up who is supposedly there to check on her um, but uh, there's a nice little turn at the end of that scene that is just so fucking perfect so if you've never seen um, Last Shift absolutely recommend this one
1: yeah that's so good the the song that the girls in the cult sing like that it's an earworm of course it's not in my ear right now because I haven't seen it for a few years but my rifle my pony (laughs) and me (laughs) And that one yeah that's that one yeah that's
2: right that's yeah okay i've had that song stuck in my head ever since <laughs> right
1: <laughs> yeah the last shift is so freaking awesome i love that movie that was probably yeah. the i probably stumbled on that the year that i was like horror all the time so that was another one man i love it good choice all right brian thank you
2: Okay, so I'm going to throw out a couple of titles that uh, I didn't use. Yeah. Um, Don't cheat. Because that's <laughs> oh. what I do. Um, <laughs> when, when I was thinking along the lines of you know the Siege movie idea, I was like, I'm going to do a pick that would make Lindsay Wilkins proud yeah. and do a schlock and awe kind of pick. Um, and I'm going to pair this, which I was thinking is a Siege movie, with from dusk till dawn. Oh,
0: that'd be good. which, which, okay. I I got, I
2: got to say, so Lindsay, if you're listening, which I hope you are, I hope that makes you proud (laughs) anyway, but that's, (laughs) that's not what I'm picking. Then I was like, okay, if it was going to work out to do Westerns written by women, I was going to do the man who loved cat dancing, uh, which is Burt Reynolds. Um, And, uh, Jack Warden Uh. and all sorts of folks in a, in a really kind of a really good romantic Western, you know, the romance between Uh, Burt Reynolds and
1: Jack Warden. Uh, yeah, you know it's hot. It is hot. (laughs) Um, No, um,
2: I can't remember the actress's name, and I I don't have it in front of me. But I, I apologize for that. But it's a really good movie. I actually had it's a it's a title that I'd heard for a long time, uh, and then Elric came. That's what his
3: name in the movie. (laughs) Cat dancing. No, that's what his name. What is that? No, that's not his name.
2: That's that's his. That's his lost love's name. Ah. It's cat oh, dancing, okay. and he. Uh,
0: I was picturing it, it, a cat dancing. Sorry. Yeah, I was yeah. like what?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, but Elric Kane recommended that um, as one of his discoveries uh, this okay. for 2021, oh, uh, and gosh. it got me to to take a take a look at it, and it's it's quite good. Cool, um, but what I chose um, to go, and I think this is just a gut feeling. I don't know if it really fits with this or not, um, but and I almost would never pick a movie this new. <laughs> but from twenty twenty one, uh, Old Henry. Old um, Henry. yeah, Old Henry, direct, written and directed by Patsy Panzeroli. Yeah. Anyway, it stars Tim Blake Nelson. Oh yeah yeah. yeah. Henry, this as literally old Henry. Um, and he and his son, um, work this farm. Uh, his wife has died and, um, he, on his one day they're out working the field and a horse wanders onto their property and the saddle is covered with blood. And so he goes off and he follows the track and he finds, um, this guy who's been shot in the chest, barely alive, and a satchel full of money. And he brings them both back to the house. And uh, he seems to really know what he's doing to sort of uh, bring this guy back to health, okay? And um, it's so it's just sort of discovering who and and then the people who shot this guy sort of who are apparently um lawmen uh follow him they they track him down at the, this house and no one is necessarily what they seem that's the thing about it you know it's it's um and there's a really kind of brilliant reason why Tim Blake Nelson is cast in this role that I never saw coming. And when it's revealed, I was like, Tim Blake Nelson is great in this no matter what. Yeah. But then when that reveal happens, you're like, Oh my gosh, that is brilliant. That's what, that was my reaction at least. Um, so anyway, uh, and there is a little bit of a siege, uh, Element in this movie as well uh just a just kind of a cool modern western, but it's an intimate western it's sure. very small yeah um but it never it doesn't feel slight if you know what I mean yeah. um so it, it it you've and it's not you know just like in the desert setting you know that you always see it's right. kind of it's the Oklahoma territory, but there are woods and there are rivers and there are that kind of thing yeah and so Stephen um,
3: Dorff is in it. Stephen
2: Dorff, yeah. Dorf, Trace, Trace Atkins. Trace uh, Atkins. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's and honestly, it watching this, the only actor that I recognized as who they were was was Tim Blake Nelson. Everyone else, I was like, oh, I didn't even think about it being <laughs> these these other actors just oh, wow. because they just sort of melt into these roles. Yeah, and um, it's. I was really impressed with this. I thought this was a really terrific movie and I hope it gains some audience. um, Now that, you know, it's out on home video. Now it's uh, I, we got the disc. It's a shout factory disc uh, from, from Walmart for like 15 bucks. Yeah. And it wasn't bad at all uh, for the cost. Um, I mean, it was just a really good movie. And um, I was, I was, I never thought that I would put a movie this new with, this but something about it just feels right yeah. and i don't know if there's really connection but it's a good movie that i hope people will seek out and see
1: well i i love the idea of pairing something new with something old yeah. um and man like newer westerns of the newer westerns that i've seen like ones that came out in the past five years say i, yeah. I haven't not liked any of them i loved Every single yeah. one of them I've watched, and uh, you know it's it's sort of a, a genre that has never gone away. But they, you know, it, it's like filmmakers today are sort of updating uh, the western and mm-hmm. changing it just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, I think there's. Uh, I can't remember what the hell the name of the this other Australian Western is that I, I recommended back on season one with Daniel Epler. But <clears throat> like modern Westerns, man, like I, I love seeing them. It's great that they're still oh, around, you know?
2: Yeah. And, you know, it seems like with the newest Westerns, there's just there's so much care. It's like if I'm the Western has been done so much. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it different. I'm going to do something that people haven't seen you know and i i or or that's the hope it seems like with a lot of these yeah. um these movies that are coming along yeah.
3: that's why i liked in a valley of violence so much because right it's like which i haven't seen like, yet but it felt like someone yeah. who just like really wanted to make a western and really wanted to have fun with it but also get it right yeah too. right
1: yeah uh
3: and we're gonna be covering i think if we stick with our plan, I think we're going to be covering a modern western Ooh. later this year
0: on Excellent.
1: our show. <laughs> Brian's face. What? Brian doesn't
0: remember. <laughs> I don't
2: remember which one. <laughs> Tell me off air. Tell me uh, off mic. the the
1: the western that I was the Australian western I was trying to think of it's from earlier a remakes episode. Oh
2: yeah. right 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 yeah sorry yes you're right
1: uh, yeah. it's called Lucky Country from Chris Stenders. it's a it's a great Australian western. Um, okay, so for my second and final pick, uh, another urban western and uh, I was gonna go with um where is it at? Where is it at? I'm turning away from my microphone oh. <laughs> I'm back here I am
2: uh, bye. the setup behind you i, I I'm just watching <laughs> behind you this whole time
1: what well got i back I like there, it. So. I like all my stuff here, so I can turn around and reference. Yeah, like I can't yeah. remember what the fuck that's called, so I'm just gonna grab the thing. Anyways, it's a movie called. Oh, that's why you guys could see uh, the movies I held up before that Clint Eastwood box set because you weren't <laughs> in the jungle thing that I was in. God damn it! Uh, Little <laughs> peek behind the curtain, my bed.
2: Anyways, you know, it's it's amazing that you picked this one. That's one I thought about checking out for this.
1: What Ford Apache the Bronx? Yes. Oh, it's oh, it's great. So. Yeah, because uh, am... I've seen
2: the original Fort Apache, yeah. uh, you know, and the whole that whole trilogy of uh, of uh, John Ford, John Wayne, uh, uh, Cavalry Westerns. Oh, are, sure. And, and and and, you know, so those were popping into my head and I thought. Of, of the one you, of Fort Apache, the Bronx too, is one that I've been wanting to see for a long time.
1: So this isn't really any, and by the way, this is not my official pick. I'm just dropping other okay. titles too, because the more movies we get to talk about, the better. Anyways, yeah, yeah. Fort sure. Apache, the Bronx isn't really related to those, like the Fort Apache movie. Oh, right, I know, I know, um, I know. But. but, you know, anyone that knows me knows I'm obsessed with 80s cop movies. And so this is one of the early ones <laughs> from 1981. Um and it stars Paul Newman in in you know a sort of a later role for him, and Danny Aiello, who's gonna be in my official pick, um, and right. uh, oh shit, what's uh, Ken Wall, uh, and uh, who's Santa Claus? He just died from uh, Ed Ed Asner, Edward Asner. <laughs> Santa uh, Claus, he just Santa died. Sorry kids, Santa Claus <laughs> oh, he just good. died. That's what? good. Uh, anyways, <laughs> say that. So, say that Santa Claus is dead. So I I was going to go with that, but it's not um it, as great of a movie as it is. I really love it. Uh it's not exactly what I was looking for. I was looking for more uh-huh. of a, you know, defending my territory type of thing. Like a, a Death Wish 3, right? Uh where he moves. Paul Kersey moves back the, to New York, and he moves into that shitty apartment building. And
3: yeah, that building. I love that one. And yeah, he's
1: <laughs> he's defending against the gangs there. So, anyways, that's sort of the the mood I was going for. Uh, and so, I went with John Flynn's Defiance from 1980, starring the great Jan Michael Vincent and uh, Teresa Saldana's in there. She is Michael Chiklis' wife in the Commission, if you remember that. Uh, Danny Aiello, like I said, Art Carney is in there a little bit. Love Art Carney. Carney. Uh, But I mean, this is essentially Death Wish 3 before Death Wish 3 came out because Death Wish 3 came out like five years later, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe three years. Anyways, uh, J. Michael Vincent plays this uh, sea man who has been like let go of his job. And so he's kind of waiting around the city. For uh, his next gig, and he rents this shitty apartment in this shitty building, full of you know decent people, uh, who can't afford any better. And so, like, he befriends the local loudmouth played by Danny Aiello. Uh, he ends up betting the hottie from upstairs, Teresa Saldana. Uh, he befriends this kid who lives in the building, and like, you know, they start a a garden bed up on on the roof of the apartment building. And then he he, uh, he befriends the bodega owner uh, around the corner, played by Art Carney. And so J. Michael Vincent, he kind of runs afoul of the souls, the gang who kind of runs the neighborhood. And they've terrorized... Everybody knows, like, you don't fuck with the souls. They're terror... You know, they... We just give them whatever they want. And so he, J. Michael Vincent, reluctantly takes it upon himself because he's kind of begrudging the whole movie because he's not supposed to be there. He's supposed to be on the ship, but he's just waiting for his next gig and it's not coming. He's not, it's not coming. And he's stuck in this, you know, crap hole. And so begrudgingly, he takes it upon himself to lead his neighbors in defending their building, their neighborhood. And, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. This was another one that I first heard about on the revenge episode of pure cinema podcast, that's like their third or fourth episode ever. So years yeah. ago. my favorite uh, episodes. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, and so this had been on my watch list ever since then. And my God, it's so much fun. I love, this is sort of the last <clears throat> gasp, great gasp of jam. Michael Vincent before, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of went off the rails, uh, great performance danny aiello is always great i love seeing him art carney of course we all love art carney uh but it's really exciting and then uh the oh what's his name uh daddy mac g or who 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 does the the song from lost boys tom tommy mac g whatever does the soundtrack of defiance you can listen to it streaming everywhere it's awesome. It's so good. It's like super cheesy 80s kind of, you know, funky rock stuff, but it's still so great. Anyways, Defiance, Uh, uh watch it. It's it's super fun. I, I really liked it. And, and, you know, it's it's very touching. You know, I think Jan Michael Vincent was able to portray these roles and, like, he brought so much heart to these characters that he played. And it's, you know, all the more heartbreaking that he kind of just flushed his life down the tube, so... Um, yeah, it's a great movie, anyways I'm done cool sounds
0: no
3: great. that sounds good
0: yeah uh
1: Michelle and Brian, thank you so much for coming back uh as really? as expected, I had a blast, and uh we will do it again next season come up with something good uh something different, <laughs> so we've done a noir or i guess what would we call the killing a noir?
2: It's noir adjacent. It's
1: adjacent, okay. Ish. We've done a western, so I think you know what's next, Michelle. I, th- you know, we'll see. We'll see <laughs> if it's still there by the time I uh, oh, approach no. you guys. Ah. I'm not gonna God. make. I'm, I, I I right. I promise myself I
2: wouldn't force her to watch that movie. So. <laughs>
3: All right. We'll see what we're Maybe. we're of course talking about. 2001 is Space <laughs> they're my, Odyssey. They're, there might be nothing left by the time it comes, around <laughs> it comes around to us again. And I'll be like, God damn it. All right, fine. I'll
0: watch
1: it. Yeah. Uh, anyways, bedtime for Bonzo. That's right. Yeah. Eventually we're going to get there. Uh, all right. Let's start with uh, Michelle. Where can people find you online?
3: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Michelle in Aiken.
1: And Brian.
2: Uh, at Brian D. Kuiper on Twitter. Most exciting handle ever.
1: And movies for life, of course. Dude, that's mine too.
3: Yeah. On Twitter.
1: <laughs> You're, you are also Brian D. Kuiper? <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, we're, we're both name, middle, initial, last name. Uh, as Why
1: are we friends? <laughs> as for this show, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Colt Movies Pod. You can follow me at AK Donnelly, almost. That's not my last name though. On Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. That's AKDONE, two L's and a Y. Next week, Vinny Tucheri. Did you guys know Vinny, but better? His last name is Tucheri. Did you know that? I did
2: not know that was his last name. Vincenzo. is like one
1: of my favorite guys. Yeah, Vinny's the the best. (laughs) Uh, He's going to come on the podcast, and we're going to talk about Stanley Donnan and his brilliant film Two for the Road, starring Albert Finney and Audrey Hepburn. A wonderful, wonderful film. Uh, Michelle and Brian... I adore you two so much. Thank you so much yeah. for coming on. Of course. Always
2: a blast.